Recently, we went on a fall retreat with Southgate Student Ministry. Ben Hogan came and guest spoke at our retreat. Our retreat theme was about villains. And on Saturday night, Ben Hogan spoke on the villain Jezebel, a truly evil individual who was a manipulator and coerced everyone in her life. Enjoy part one of this lesson on Jezebel. Me and my wife, uh, her name is Jensie. Hope you've got to meet her throughout the course of the day. Uh, me and my wife have had a wonderful day with you guys. Uh, getting to know you guys, getting to joke around with you guys, and getting to get to know you guys uh, throughout the course of the day. Uh, hope you've had a great day. Hope you're excited for this period of worship. Hope the Auburn game can uh, take a seat for our worship this afternoon. Uh, and that we'll all grow together as we look in God's Word. My wife and I are not expecting a child. We're not pregnant. We are not uh, thinking about it even. We have not even talked about whether we want to uh, start to build a family with one another or, or any type of thing like that. I mean, that's in the future. We always want to do that. Uh, but throughout the ages... I've always found it interesting the process that parents go through naming their children. Naming your child in these days has got to be one of the most unique, uh, one of the most interesting things that you do as a parent in this social media age, right? If you're going to name your child in today's culture, it's got to be Instagram worthy, right? It's got to be Instagram. It's got to have a pun that's going to go with it, right? I can't think of one off the top of my head, right? But you got to have some kind of name that's unique, right? No one's really ever heard of this name before. Like, uh, I don't want to think of one. Maybe one of your name that. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, used to, and I'm, I'm, I've never had kids, but I think my mom and dad just like, you like the name Ben? Yeah. Okay, we'll go with Ben. Not to know that they, you know, my, my dad didn't care that uh, I have the same name as a famous golfer. And that, that would carry with me the rest of my life. Ben Hogan. Oh, you love playing golf? Uh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't like golf at all. I love miniature golf. Um, but I was told today that you kids don't even know what that is. But, but. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, all right. Two pieces. So naming your child in this day and age probably is very difficult, and I'm not really looking forward to that, right? I think Jensie has some names that she's thought about throughout the years, but I don't really know. We haven't really talked about it. And uh, with the theme that we have this weekend of villains, it really got me thinking about naming kids. You know, with all these villains that we've mentioned this weekend and that you'll continue to talk about after we leave, no one would name their child one of these names. You ever thought of that? All these names that we're looking at this weekend, all these people, no one would name their child these names. Sometimes people name their child after, a, uh, after their favorite Bible character, right? Right? 
A lot of people name their child after their favorite Bible character, but guess what? No one's going to name their child Haman. No one's going to name their child uh, Haman. They're never going to name their child Herod. They're never going to name their child Judas. When was the last time you said, hey, my name's fill in the blank? And they said, well, I'm Judas. Nice to meet you. What would you do if you met someone named Judas? What would you do if you met somebody named Haman? If you met somebody named one of these horrible characters, right? If your name's one of those things, man, I'm just, I did not mean that, you know? But I'm taking a gamble here. There's no one here named those names. And there's a reason for that. No one would ever name their child Lucifer, right? I mean, there's a TV show on it, but don't watch that. I've, I saw the commercials and know it's not worth watching. Lastly, and for our purposes tonight, you know that no one's going to get this brand new baby girl. This beautiful girl. Hold her in her arms, in their arms, and go, I think this looks like a Jezebel. I really think this one is a Jezebel. Don't, honey, don't you think this is a Jezebel? No one would name their child Jezebel, and there's a special reason for that. No one would name their child any of these names because they're all horrible people. You want your name of your child to be admirable names like Joseph or Hannah or, or David or Mary or Paul or Ruth or Daniel or Benjamin. Am I right? Benjamin, right? You want your child's name to be admirable. Sometimes, and this is someone's recording, I think it's Ben, so my mom can't see this. But my mom has frequently referred to people that she has qualms with as, man, she's just a Jezebel. Right? We think about these people so negatively that when we think of someone negatively, we're like, man, they're just an old Jezebel. Maybe that's an old way of thinking, right? But that's what we think about these individuals. There's a reason that no one would name their child these names. Because of the life that we find in Scripture. You want to name your child a good name. So that they can aspire to become like that biblical character, right? That biblical godly man or woman of faith. Why is that? Why is it that we would never name one of our daughters Jezebel? Well, let's figure it out. Turn to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 16. Hold your Bible up. You got your Bibles tonight? Hold your Bibles up. Alright, good job. 1 Kings chapter 16. Beginning. Oh, by the way, 1 Kings is before 2 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 16, beginning in verse 29. It says, In the 38th year of, of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Get this. More than all. 
who were before him. Verse 31, And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the... My print is messed up. Nabot? Nabot? One of those. That he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Heel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Sagub. He set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he has spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. So here we have a little bit of the background of King Ahab. King Ahab, it says, was more enraging before the sight of God than any king that went before him. That includes Jeroboam, who divided the kingdom, right? That includes all of the, the, the terrible kings that went before him and did terrible things and led Israel astray. The Bible tells us twice within two verses that Ahab was the worst of the worst when it came to kings. That Ahab was the absolute worst. In fact, it tells us that he built a, a, an image to Baal. He, he carved a wooden image to Baal. And it also tells us who he married. It tells us that he married Jezebel. And that's really all it says about Jezebel. There's no background on, the, on Jezebel. All it tells us is that she's married to Ahab at this point. I want to focus in on verse 30 though. Verse 30 and verse 33. Take notice. Again, let's not gloss over the fact that this, this person we're talking about right now, Ahab, was known and forever will be the worst king in the history of Israel. Up to this point, right? There's others to follow. But up to this point, he is the worst king. And God said so. Okay? So this is, this is, not, this is not subjective. This is real talk here. This is the worst guy in the history of Israel. This is, uh, this is a villain, right? We're talking about villains this weekend. Ahab is a villain. In fact, of, of all the villains that are in the kingship of Israel, this is the number one. He is the number one on the list as far as the worst villains in the kingship of Israel. And it's because he enraged God. He enraged Jehovah more so than any other king before him. And it, it repeats this phrase in verse 33. He did more to provoke God's anger than any king before him. And if you stop right there, guys, if you stop right there after verse 31 and verse 33, and you just stop right there, you might be thinking, well, why aren't we talking about Ahab? If Ahab 
the one that enraged the Lord, provoked him to anger, then why are we talking about Ahab tonight? Well, we're going to get to that very exact answer in a bit. Bear with us. But if you were to stop right there, you would think, really, Ahab is the villain of this story. Why are we talking about Jezebel? Well, let's fast forward to chapter 18. Chapter 18, you there? Let's read verse 4. For so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water. Okay, so a little context here. Jezebel was a, a, a worshiper of Baal. She believed in Baal. She was a, uh, from Sidon, right? According to the passage we just read. She was a pagan. She believed in other gods than Jehovah. And so if she came across a prophet of Jehovah God, she was going to, the Bible says, cut them off. Or, as my translation in New King James says, massacre them. Guys, don't misunderstand what this is saying. This is saying that she killed them. She killed the prophets of Jehovah. She hated those who followed Jehovah God. And this is the wife of the king of Israel. The wife of the king of Israel, the leader of the Israelites, the leader of the followers of Jehovah. This is his wife. And she would go around and kill the prophets of the Lord. In fact, if you, if you want to see that, look at chapter 18, verse 13. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? So here we find a man named Obadiah. He was in charge of trying to preserve some of the prophets' lives. And so he took all the prophets he could. He said, listen guys, we got to get away from this crazy lady. we got to go hide in a cave. And so they would hide in caves, 50 apiece. Some pretty big caves, huh? They would go hide in caves from Jezebel, their leader's wife. Because Jezebel not only wanted to silence them, Jezebel wanted to murder them. Jezebel is actively murdered the prophets of God. And so Obadiah has to hide them in caves. And Elijah is one of the prophets of God at this time. Ever heard of Elijah? Anybody? Elijah is one of the prophets of God at this time. And in chapter 18, we hear and we read of the legendary story, right? The legendary story of Elijah at Mount Carmel. You would know the story? Familiar with it? Elijah is tasked to go before all of the prophets of Baal. And what does he do? If you look at the story, he, he, he really makes fun of them. He really makes fun of them. He embarrasses them. He, he does everything he can to mock them. Because he knows that Baal is not going to rain fire from heaven. 
But he knows that God, Jehovah God, is going to rain fire from heaven. And so all day long, as the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and, and dancing and doing all the things that they can do to possibly get Baal to answer, what does Elijah do? He, he mocks them. He says, maybe Baal has, has gone out on a journey and you need to be a little bit louder. Maybe he's fallen asleep. And, and you need to wake him up. Maybe you need to be a little bit louder. He's mocking them because he knows that Baal is not a real God. He's a false God. And Baal is the God of Jezebel. Baal is the God of Jezebel, the villain that we're talking about tonight. Let's, let's go to chapter 18 and verse 40. Chapter 18 and verse 40. So... Um, let's see. Yeah. Alright, so chapter 18 and verse 40. This is at the end of the story where the prophets of Baal never get what they're looking for. The Baal never rains down fire from heaven. God does rain down fire from heaven. And then the story doesn't end there. A lot of your VBS uh, stories did. Okay, but there's a lot more to the story. And it happens in verse 40. 1840. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Well, how many prophets are we talking about? How many prophets are we talking about, man? Are we talking about uh, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four? Maybe ten? No. We're talking about 400. 400 prophets of Baal were executed. 400 prophets of Baal. And to see that, turn, to, uh, turn back to 450. 450 prophets of Baal. That's 51. Okay? Turn back to verse 19 of chapter 18 to see that. And we also see a little bit more about these prophets of Baal. Turn back to verse 19. It says, Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, and 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. Okay, we're talking about 850 people against one. Against one, against Elijah and, and, and his friends, right? That come in later, I guess, to, to slay all these people. But what's the key in this passage? For our purposes tonight. In verse 19, we find that these were the individuals that ate at Jezebel's table. They ate at Jezebel's table, meaning that Jezebel knew them. She, she fed them. She liked them. She maybe was even friends with some of them. And here we have Elijah, the prophet of Jehovah God, executing every single one of them. Well, Jezebel is not happy about this, guys. 
Jezebel is the one that had been slaying and executing the prophets of God. And here comes this prophet of God, and he slays 850 of hers. Right? Which the, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. There they are at Mount Carmel. And we find Elijah executed them. Okay? What happens after this? Is there any repercussions for Elijah? Any repercussions for the prophets of God? Turn to chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse 1, it says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. And went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. So guys, here comes Ahab, running up to his wife, and telling her that, hey, you know one of those prophets of God? He just executed all of the prophets of Baal. On Mount Carmel, he executed them. And so Elijah... Is sent a message from Jezebel. And Jezebel says, listen, you're not going to get away with this. In fact, by tomorrow this time, you are going to fall and be executed just like those 400 plus men were. You're going to be executed just like the people that you executed. And instead of Elijah saying, nope, bring it on. What does Elijah do? He runs. He runs for his life. He runs for his life. And he hides in a cave just like the rest of the prophets were hiding. He hides in a cave. It says that he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was being fed by the angel of the Lord. And again, this is where we find another classic story about this life of Elijah. He's complaining to God that he's the only one left. And, and, and here is Jezebel trying to kill him. And, and so God tells him that he is not alone, that there are many who have not bent the knee to Baal, that there is a man named Elisha that is coming. And chapter 21 tells us the story of Naboth, right? The story of Naboth and his vineyard. If you look in your Bible, Ahab really coveted Naboth's vineyard. He wanted Naboth's vineyard because Naboth had this Cool vineyard. And he was the king, so he wanted it for himself. And so he took it. But how did he take it? Did he just take it because he was Ahab and he could take it? No, he comes to his wife. He says, I can't get my vineyard. And she goes, I'll get you that vineyard. So let's read what happens. Let's read what happens. Chapter 21. Chapter 21, verses 5 through 8. It says, But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you have not eaten any food? 
And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. This sounds like a child, doesn't it? He wouldn't give me the toy I wanted. And he goes, and Jezebel answers in verse 7. Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city of Naboth. So here we have Ahab, this man who has done more evil in the sight of God than any king before him, right? He can't get this one little vineyard. And he goes to his wife, Jezebel, who apparently knows how to get things done, and says, I want this vineyard and I can't have it because Naboth said I couldn't. And so Jezebel says, listen, honey, you just finish your meal. I'm going to send some letters. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to get with my people. And they're going to take care of this for you. And that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. She signed letters that she wrote with the king's seal. As if he wrote it. Okay, so she is speaking and acting and doing on the behalf of Ahab. As if she is the king. Okay, and then fast forward throughout this verse 14, it says, Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. Verse 15, And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of the Naboth, the Jezreelite. I just can't believe this. Here Ahab is. I, I want to give you money for it. I'll do whatever you, I can in the world for this vineyard. And Jezebel goes, no, let's just kill him. Let's just stone him. That's the best way to take care of it. He can't, he can't contest for his own vineyard if he's dead. And so that's exactly what they do. They kill Naboth. And so now Ahab, like a little eight-year-old spoiled boy, gets to have the vineyard he always wanted. And it's because Jezebel was really in charge in this story. Let's read verses 21 through 29, guys. 21 through 29. This is what happens. This is what God says happens after the taking of Naboth's vineyard. Verse 21. This is God talking. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity, and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Bashah, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, remember this, beginning of verse 23, it's a prophecy from God. 
And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. It's a mouthful, huh? Jezebel by Jezreel. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do the wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. We hope that you tune back in to hear part two of this lesson on Jezebel. Have a blessed day.